Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. He's in control. Amen. The devil's not in control. The government's not in control. Our situation's not in control. God is in control. Just say that with me. You're going to feel a lot better. God is in control. Amen. David and Elva, God is in control. Amen. No matter what we're going through, it's good to have David and Elva back in the house tonight. Amen. Praise God. We're glad you're here. We've been talking about this. This is for you guys and everybody else. We've been talking about this for the last few months. God's working all the time. In the situation where it looks like he's not doing anything and everything's wrong, everything's bad, everything's going south, he's working. Just trust that. Amen? And the quicker you get to that understanding, the quicker God's going to come through. He's just waiting on your faith. He's just waiting you to say, I know you got this, God, because he's in control. Amen? So we just bind those spirits of fear tonight and bind the spirits of doubt of the situations. The devil, you know, remember what fear is. I'm just, this is all free. I'm not even going to get to the message yet. Fear is false evidence appearing real. That's the real truth of what fear is. You see something, it seems worse than it is. And then how many, how many tonight, just let me help you for a second, have been through some things and you went through them and you got over them and they resolved and you looked back and you said, that was not as bad as I thought it was when I was in it. Anybody, can you remind yourselves of that tonight? He's moving. He's in the midst. And so just say he'll do it again. Amen. I want to talk tonight about a little bit of a challenging message for this next month. We're coming in to the, uh, po- the part- time of the year that's really the holidays. We just had um, Thanksgiving and then Christmas is coming. And this is a time of the year that is a time we need to navigate the right way and have the right attitude about it. And I think that this is an awesome opportunity and time to witness and to share. Our- How many know we've got gifts to give? I'm not talking about the gifts you're going to put under a tree. We've got the gift of salvation. We've got the answer to this world's problems. We've got the forgiveness of sins. Amen? We know the one who's, who's thrown the stars into the sky. So we, we're on the right side tonight. Amen? And we have a gift of, called salvation that we need to get out to the people. And this is a good opportunity because this is a busy time of the year. And it's a time, I want to just throw this out and kind of let you know where I'm going. It's a time to really shine for Jesus. This is an opportunity where people are looking to see how people treat people. I want to preach tonight, if you're taking notes, on having a Christmas conscious. Christmas conscious. Okay, that might sound a little weird, but it'll make sense in a little bit. How many know you have to be conscious of a situation? As we're going into these next few weeks, we need to realize this is a, a season that a lot of people struggle in, a lot of people uh, love, a lot of people don't love, uh, and so we're going to have a lot of busyness, a lot of, uh, whether you want to or not, lots of work parties, school parties, Christmas parties. No, Even if you don't want to be busy, you're going to be busy during this time of the year because your school, your work, your church, everything's going to have you doing stuff, right? So that's going to happen. So as we go into this next three or four weeks, we can be conscious of the opportunity to be a light for Jesus. 
And that's what I want you to think about. And it'll all make sense a little more in a little bit. But I want to start off, you know, we've, we've had some babies born. My daughter's about to have another baby. We've got some more coming. It's uh, growing the church, amen. And uh, there was a set of twins that was born. And, and, and this kind of goes off of conscious. And, and as the mother was giving birth, she lost consciousness. The doctor called in the woman's brother from the waiting room and said he would like, asked if he would like to name the children for her. And the brother agreed. So when the mother woke up, the doctor informed her she was fine. She just got a little bit lightheaded. And she said, he said, while you were out, your brother named the children while you were unconscious. She said, oh, no, my brother's an idiot. What did he name the kids? And the doctor said, well, the girl's name is Denise. She goes, oh, that's not that bad. What about the boy? The boy's name is Denephew. <laughs> Amen. How many have got a brother like that or a sister like that or a family member like that? <laughs> Denise and the nephew. Amen. How many full-time, it's good to laugh, right? How many full-time ministers do I have? Raise your hand if you're a full-time minister here. Amen. Keep it up for a second. Let me see the full-time ministers. Amen. See, see, we're growing. We're learning. If you didn't raise your hand, you are. Your job pays you to be a minister. And you know what we're ministers of? In 2 Corinthians 5, here's a little homework. This isn't what we're going to talk about tonight, but read 2 Corinthians 5. Hopefully you read Psalms 119, some of it from Sunday. Hopefully you're going to start reading Luke uh, on Friday, giving you lots of homework. But 2 Corinthians 5, you can read it later, says this, that we are ministers of reconciliation and we are ambassadors of Christ. Tell me you know what an ambassador is. An ambassador is somebody who lives in a country and represents their country in another country. We live in this world, but we are representing Jesus. We're not of this world, but we're representing Jesus on this earth. Everywhere we go, and everything we say, and everything we do, and how we act, how we talk, and I want to say this more than anything for this next few weeks, how we treat people. I'm saying this because as we get into this time of the year, we have got an opportunity to really represent Jesus. Really show people what the Christmas season is really about, which is giving. But it's not giving gifts. It's giving the, the power, the love, the message of Jesus Christ. So 2 Corinthians 5 says we're ministers of reconciliation. Basically, you can go around telling people, I've got a gift for you. And they say, what is it? Forgiveness. What do you mean? Well, do you make mistakes? Yes, you're a sinner. You need forgiveness. Jesus forgave you for your sins. And he wants to reconcile you to him by just putting your faith in Jesus. Amen? Father, for just a few minutes tonight, anoint your word. Thank you for this congregation. We pray for all those that are sick tonight. We know of many out sick, many traveling. We pray for those that are here tonight. Receive your word. Touch those that are online. Touch those, Father, tonight that may be in a bad place, may be backslidden, may be making bad choices, uh, cold in their spirit. Whatever it is, God, just move and touch the lives of our church congregation and our family tonight. Save our family members. Save our loved ones. Give us your anointing tonight to preach your gospel and to be full-time ministers and have a Christmas conscious tonight, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... So basically, in 2 Corinthians 5, it also says this, and this isn't in the text, and we're not going to look at it, but it says, he died for everyone, 
And that those who lived would no longer live for themselves. Have you gotten to the place yet where you realize that you are not living for you anymore? If you haven't gotten to that place, you're not where God wants you to be. I'm not saying we don't fail in that. I'm not saying we're always where we want to be. But consciously, at least, God wants us to remind us. So the word conscious here is to be constantly thinking about the fact that I am no longer mine. I don't belong to me. I belong to Jesus. So Jesus died for me. And it says right there in 2 Corinthians 5, you'll read it later. He died for us that we would live no longer for ourselves, but for him who died for us and rose again. So every day we wake up, we got to go to work. We got to go to school. We go through life. We got to do things. There's certain days we wake up, we don't want to wake up. There's other days we're excited to wake up. There's other days that we kind of just go through the motions. Every one of us go through this in our lives. No one's exempt from this. We, and, and, and we get around these times of the year. I Don't get mad at me that I love this time of the year. I love the weather. Everybody knows that already. Because everybody just listen real quick. Y'all hear that? Hear that? That's silence. There's no heater and there's no AC on. That means there's no electricity being used. That means the bill's going to be cheaper. I love it in my house too. When I tell my wife, hear that? She goes, what? I go, nothing. No AC, no heat. And I, God, I got to brag on my wife. She's, she's coming around after about 30 years. Y'all know I'm cold nature, right? But you don't live with me. Our house is at 60 degrees, and she's starting to like it. So I'm falling more in love with her. Amen. I said, baby, you want me to turn the heat down? She's like, no, I'm good. Now, she may be wrapped up like an Eskimo, but she's good. Amen. But how many know what I'm saying tonight? So, so there's an opportunity tonight, this time of the year, where lots of people don't. I love the music. I love the festivities. I love what Christmas is about. doesn't matter if this is really when Jesus was born and all that stuff. Don't get caught up in that. But it, to me, it is the most time, wonderful time of the year. And if you don't like it, you're not going to take my joy away. So don't worry. But some people don't like this time of the year. Some, some people have a hard time with it. Other people's, uh, everybody's in different places. So when you wake up, when you go to work, when you go to school, what I want you to start to think about for this next month is more than ever before, have a conscious mind of I'm going to wake up every day and I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to represent Jesus everywhere I go. I'm going to, every person I talk to, every, every place that I go, doesn't matter if it's a, if it's, so this, I'm just, just going to read what I, what, I, what I have written down. First of all, I already told you it's a Christmas challenge, right? Let me see if you'll, how many will accept the challenge. All right? You know I'm not going to challenge you on anything we can't do, okay? Christmas challenge. Take into consideration with every interaction you have. Today a UPS driver came. Do you want some water? Do you want something to drink? Uh, you know, just, just those little things that, that go a long way. Have a conversation. Realize that person's working. That person's doing something. They're, they're on a job. They're, you're, you're interacting with people. doesn't mean you're going to have a chance to witness to everybody and preach to everybody, get everybody saved, but you have a chance to make an, an impact on their life and their day. Because you might be sowing a seed that later on that day some other, some other person might come and water or vice versa. So every day for this, it doesn't, we, should, we should do this all year, but I'm giving you a Christmas challenge. Whoever you're dealing with, 
Whatever you're going through, realize those people at the store, at school, your teachers, your coworkers, your bosses, the gas station people, the people at the supermarket, the people of UPS, people of FedEx, whatever it is, wherever you go and you interact with somebody, they're living a life like you. And they're going through things just like you. And so sometimes if they don't have the attitude that we would like or they don't treat us the way we would like to be treated, it's our job to treat them like we would want to be treated. Can I get an amen? And really, we're representing Jesus in every situation. How many mess up sometimes? And we don't do Jesus, represent Jesus the way we want to. But we have to have, that's why I'm saying, a Christmas conscious, that we would be conscious of the fact that everybody we run into needs somebody to make their day better. Okay? Matthew 7, 12 says this. This is Jesus' words. He says, whatever you want men to do to you, you do that to them. For this is the law and the prophets. If we would just stop sometimes, and listen, I'm talking to the choir. We all go through this. But if we would just wake up with this, this, this mentality that I'm going to try my best today to talk to the person that I talk to the way I would want to be talked to. Treat the person I deal with the way I would want to be treated. Act towards that person the way I would want them to act towards me. How many know that's a good start? This is Jesus telling us, let's try this, okay? Now, here, here's the definition, if you don't know, of conscious. It'll make more sense in a second. It says, characterized by or having an awareness of one's environment and one's existence, sensations, thoughts, mentality, being perceptive, being awake. In other words, you understand your surroundings. You, you, you know what's going on around you. You're conscious of that. Here's some more things it says. You're conscious of something. You think about it a lot, especially because you are unhappy about it or because you think it's important. I, I'm unhappy if other people aren't happy. How many know as Christians, we should be that way? We should want to change the situation. Does anybody in here believe that we can change the situation? That when we walk into a room, we can bring Jesus in the room with us. When we walk into a situation where there's despair, there's anger, there's frustration, we can bring Jesus into that situation. So it's a decision. It's an action, it says, made or done deliberately by giving your full attention to it. Got to get up in the morning and pray and say, Lord, don't let me be in the flesh today. Don't let me react like I want to react in my flesh. Don't even let me react like that person deserves for me to react. Let me react like you would react. Because if we're really saying or believing what we're saying, we're ambassadors. We're ministers of reconciliation. We have to live our lives and carry ourselves away in a certain way that other people will want what we have. How many have that as a desire? I know I do. I want people to want what I have. And that's going to come out on my daily life and how I treat people and how I talk to people, how I interact with people. And you're going to be dealing with a lot of people these next few weeks, again, in Christmas parties, at the store, different places. Now, just think, there's a million, but I was just thinking, I was talking to insurance this week and several times. How many have heard how to make 20 calls to get one? And you get transferred a lot. 
Every time I'm reminded that I'm talking on that phone and I'm waiting to get to the person that I want to talk to, and, and I've already hit the zero hundred times, and I've already said, customer service, customer service, customer service, customer service, customer service. And then the, then the machine comes back and says, uh, choose one if this, and two if that, and three, customer service, customer service, customer service, customer service, customer service. If you want to talk to this, choose one. Zero, 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 customer service, customer service, customer service. Let me get you connected to somebody. Then you're like, yes. Now tell me who you would like to talk to. Is it this group or is it that group or, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? Then when you finally get a human being, you talk to them. And I remember several times this week talking to them and I was like, man, this person's really nice. How many know it's nice when you get someone that sounds like they don't hate their job? So this is so-and-so from so-and-so. How can I help you? Oh, I'm doing good. How's your day going? And so we talk, and then, then you do all the spill. This is what I need. That's what I need. This. Oh, well, this is the wrong department. So let me transfer you. Right? I know I'm talking to somebody here. And I tried many times this week and told that person, when you transfer me, can you please give me someone as nice as you? They lit up. I didn't see them on the phone, but in their voice, they, they were happy. Because I said, I'm never going to meet that person. But maybe the way I treated them on the phone made them receptive to hopefully somebody else later in the day that might actually interact with them and tell them about Jesus. You see what I'm saying? We have these opportunities all the time to try to have the, the upper hand of the right way to treat people and realize, you know what I do? I realize that that woman I'm talking to on the phone could be my wife. It's somebody's daughter. It's somebody's wife. It's somebody's daughter. I, I, I try consciously to remind my, I mean, this will really help you. When you deal with people, think, that's somebody's daughter. That's somebody's son. That's somebody's wife. That's somebody's grandpa. How would you want them to be treated? It goes a long way. Telling a waiter, you're awesome. You're doing a great job. Even if they're not doing a great job, just tell them. That goes a long ways. Telling somebody they look nice, they're dressed nice. There's, there's little things you can do like that. And just being cordial and just being nice, that goes a long way to get that person to change their day. Because, again, you might not have the chance to tell them about Jesus, but you're setting them up for somebody. How many believe that? You're, you're setting them up, or you're doing the opposite. You're putting them in a worse attitude. You're putting them in a worse place. So when that opportunity comes for that gospel to be preached to them, they're not ready for it. And how many know, if we really understand the way things work in the spiritual realm, we're not going to see everything until we get to heaven. And we don't know how many times we've either sabotaged or set up a salvation. I want to set them up. I want to be a part. There's a, you know, I don't watch a lot of hockey, but there's a thing called a hockey assist. So it's, it's, that means that one person can pass the puck to another, and they can pass it to another, and then the goal scores, and they all get credit for passing the puck. I want to be that. I want to get the hockey assist on somebody getting saved. So there's things that we can do. Let's look at Mark chapter 12, 28, and, and be reminded tonight as we go into this Christmas season what Jesus said was the greatest commandment. Let's remind ourselves. How many know we need reminders? One of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that, they, that he had answered well, asked him, 
Lord, which is the first commandment of them all? How many would like to, how many are like me? I want to get the most important thing right. You get the most important thing right, everything else falls into place. So he said, What's the most important command? Jesus says, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then this is connected to, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and all your, don't change it yet, all your strength. Right? So our first one is, We need to be in love with God. When we're in love with God, we're going to act like God. We're going to talk like Jesus. We're going to, we're going to interact that way. When we don't love the Lord, we're not going to think that we're, we're not going to remember that we're representing him. So we have to be in love with God. Then he says, the way you'll prove to me that you love me is the second commandment. And he says it this. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. Has that changed? Are Jesus' words still alive today? If we want to fulfill God's commands, we've got to love him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and we've got to love other people as ourselves. Now, I'm not going to, this is a whole other message, and I could go there, but the reason some people don't love others as they love themselves is because they don't love themselves. I mean, you, you hate yourself. If you don't love yourself, you're not going to be able to love anybody else. And the only way you can love yourself is by falling in love with God. And he'll make you love yourself. He'll make you love who you are because you'll be like Christ. You'll have the mind of Christ. You'll have the thoughts of Christ. You'll act like Christ. Talk like Christ. The more you hang around somebody, the more you act like them. When we're with Jesus and we're in his presence, there's many verses in the Bible that says they they notice these are not educated men. These are not eloquent words they're speaking, but these people have been with Jesus. That's what I want to hear from the Lord. Amen? How many are following me? This is a good challenge, right? And we're not going to get it. We're not going to bat a thousand. We're not going to get a hundred percent right. But I'm going to try. I want to really be conscious these next few weeks to try to take every opportunity to turn every situation into an opportunity to be a witness of who Jesus is. Let's look at Titus chapter two. Now I'm just picking a few verses because there's hundreds, but this is a good group of verses. We're going to read several here. It says that the the older men would be sober. So what we're going to do here for just a minute as we read is we're going to look at some characteristics, some attitudes, some way we should think, the way we live. This is is a challenge. This is why this is a challenge, because we don't wake up this way. We don't wake up with a great attitude. We have to choose to have a right attitude. Sober, reverent, temperate. We have to put our temper in control. Sound in faith, in love. In patience, how I many know you gotta you gotta be patient? You aren't patient automatically. Older women, likewise, that they would be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good obedient to their husbands, their own husbands, that the word of God would not be blasphemed. Look at these characteristics he's giving us. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded, 
in all things, here's where I want to really get to, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. Like something that we do most of the time. A pattern is something that's most of the time. We shouldn't be like surprised, like, oh, I just did a good work finally. I just finally did the right thing. It should be the other way around. We should be doing the right thing and sometimes make the mistake, be convicted by the Holy Spirit, say, I didn't handle that right. I, I didn't do that the way God wanted me to do it. A pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing look integrity. How many want to have integrity in every situation? Reverence. You know, we're supposed to revere sometimes even when people don't, aren't, aren't worthy of reverence. It's, it's what we're supposed to do. Incorruptibility. Sound speech. Sound speech that cannot be condemned. Watching how we, what we say. Watching how we talk. Listening to the words, speaking words that are seasoned with salt, the Bible says. That one, watch this one, I really want to get to. That the one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. That's a challenge. Do you think we can get to that? Do you think that's possible? How many agree that it's possible? He wouldn't ask us to do it if it wasn't possible. It's not easy. But I would love to get to the place where nobody, no matter who it is, they can try, but they can't say anything evil because I am working my best to have that conscious, that integrity, that spirit of, of excellence, to be reverent, to be sober-minded, and all these different things. Amen? How many are still here? How many are taking the challenge? This is something we've got to think about. That's, that's exactly what the definition is, to be conscious. We have to be conscious of how we're thinking, conscious of how we're treating people. Now, I'm going to put a little plug in that I thought I was going to do in the beginning, but this is an okay, plug, okay time. How many here, I was just telling uh, Eric about this last night, how many here have seen the movie It's a Wonderful Life? Raise your hand. Not enough. Okay, if you're here and you have not seen, here's homework. It's a Wonderful Life. It's super old, it's black and white, but it has a great story. And I'm not going to spoil it for you, but I would really, here's a challenge. Sit with your family. I promise you can find it somewhere. It's been around forever. And we need many times, I don't even want to say sometimes, especially around this time of the year, we need to get perspective on life. Now, along with seeing it's a wonderful life, like Santos said, go read the book of Job. Read the book of Job this month. Especially if you're not happy with your situation. If your situation is not ideal financially or physically or mentally or relationally, you're not in the place that you wish you were, go read Job and your situation is going to begin to look so much better. You'll be amazed. You're going to be like, wow, my problems are really small. But then go look at that movie, It's a Wonderful Life, because we need to realize how important our lives are. And that every single thing we do affects other people. Amen? Going back to the beginning, just to remind you again, just to hit this again, how many full-time ministers are here? Amen? We are all full-time ministers. We are called to be ministry, ministers of reconciliation. Let me just make it simple. If you're a believer, you are supposed to be a minister. If you are a believer, you are automatically a representative of Jesus. You have to represent Jesus in every situation. You are his ambassador. 
You're chosen by him to, to be an example of Jesus in every situation. How many could use some more compassion tonight? Amen? Compassion goes a long way. Empathy. Compassion is this. A sympathetic consciousness of others. Distress together with a desire to alleviate it. Doesn't mean you can fix every problem, but you can try to help in every way you can. And realize this is why at this time of the year, the best thing you can do is serve other people. Think about other people's needs. Be a giver more than a taker. Because in this time of the year, it's an opportunity for you to realize how blessed you are. Amen? Sometimes, you know, this is why people go and take teenagers to jail. They take them to a homeless shelter. You know, if, you, if, you're, if you're down and you think things aren't good, let, just call me and I'll, I'll help you. I'll take you some places. If you think your life is rough and bad, and I'm not trying to demean anyone's situation, let me go show you what rough and down is. Okay? I was just watching, as a matter of fact, I'm just thinking of this right now. Uh, in Nicaragua today, I got a video. We're building that church. We sent that money over. And they're going to, you know, put walls up and put a roof up and all that so they can have. They're just simply trying to build a building so they don't get rained on. I mean, how many know? That's the, that's the simplicity of it. They just want to have dry services. Like, that's all they're asking for is to have a service without getting wet. And so today, Pastor Javier sent me a video, and it was exciting to see that they were, they were starting to get busy on construction. But it wasn't like we saw in the Congo with the bricks and the mortar. It was Pastor Javier, and I, I actually meant to show it tonight. I'll have to show it. It would have been good to show tonight. Pastor Javier pulling a... Um, What's the thing with wheelbarrow? Kind of backwards with these really long, heavy pieces of wood on them with shovels and all these tools inside of it. And the guy behind him with the camera, and he's taking the materials himself. He's not getting the materials delivered. He's delivering the materials. So, I mean, if anybody has done construction, it's already hard enough to do the work without having to take the materials yourself. By the time he gets there, he's already going to be dead. You're not going to want to do any work. Just something like that. You look at a video like that and you go, man, Lord, thank you for a vehicle. No matter what it looks like, no matter how it drives, thank you for a vehicle that I don't have to, pull, that I don't have to walk here tonight, that I don't have to pull a wagon behind me. And you know what? He was as happy as all get out. He was happy. He was thanking God in that video. Oh, Lord, I thank you. Gracias, Señor. Gracias, Señor, por sus bendiciones. Gracias, Señor, por esos materiales. He was happy. It's, it's, it's how we look at things. Being sympathetic that, that somebody else has it worse and we can help them alleviate their problems. Let me finish here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Musicians, you can begin to come if you would. I like this. Paul, this is the great, great example of how we can put ourselves in a position. You know, empathy is not only having sympathy for somebody, but putting yourself in their place. Trying to understand their situation. So Paul says, Though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all. When was the last time you thought of yourself as a servant to other people? 
That's a good place to start. That I might win people. I mean, what, what are we thinking about tonight? I'm, I'm not trying to be mean or rude or anything, but is your mind on what gift you're going to get for Christmas, or is your mind on winning people to Jesus? Listen, I love gifts. I love Christmas. I love this time. But I'm, I'm, and I'm not trying to sound spiritual. My greatest desire is I want to see people get saved. I want to see lives changed. When I watch those Hope Renews, that's my Christmas gift. Amen. I'm, again, I'm not trying to sound super spiritual. God knows my heart. I want to see people change their lives. If our minds are on the things of God, God gives us all the things that aren't even on our mind. You believe that? When you're thinking about his kingdom and you're trying to win people to the Lord, he just automatically takes care of you. So he says, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to make myself a servant so I can win more. And to the Jews, I become as a Jew that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law as without law, not being without law towards God, but under law towards Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak, I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, watch this, that I might by all means save some. That's, that's the attitude that God wants us to have this Christmas. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be a partaker of it with you. You want to have a good Christmas? Think about the souls of other people. You want to have a good Christmas? Become whatever you need to become to be that person's brighter day, to change that person's day. Make a, make a goal every, every day, in spite of what you're going through, to say, today I'm going to change someone's attitude. Today I'm going to change someone who's having a bad day. I'm going to consciously make the effort to be like Jesus. And, and no matter what they say, how they treat me, how they react, I'm going to try to change their attitude towards their, towards their job, towards whatever it is. You doesn't mean you're going to always succeed, but be conscious of it. That's what this Christmas conscious is, to be conscious of being the light of the world. Let's not, let's not just be cliche. Let's do it. Let's, let's see more people get saved this month than we've ever seen before. Let this be the greatest harvest. You know how it's going to happen? Each of us individually going out and being the light. Going out and, and telling people, you know what, this is what I'm going through, but this is what Jesus did. Your testimony is so powerful. If I had your testimony, I'd have won a million people to the Lord already. Some of you got such an amazing testimony. Tell somebody about it. Amen. Father, help us tonight to be conscious of being the ambassadors and the ministers of reconciliation that you've called us to be. Lord, there are people outside these walls, right in this city of Denton and Sanger and Crum and Louisville and Corinth and Aubrey and Pilot Point, God that need Jesus tonight. They need hope. And they're looking for it, God, but they're, they're just going to say tonight, this is going to be another Christmas, another time of depression, another year of problems. It's going to be the same old thing until they meet us. We're going to change the trajectory of their day, Father. 
We're going to take this challenge. I'm going to take this challenge. And Lord, I know I'm not going to be a thousand percent. I know I'm going to fail. I know I'm going to have moments where I act in my flesh. But Lord, help me be conscious that at every moment of every second, of every minute, of every hour, of every day, I represent you. I am your ambassador in this earth. And that I could be the example of who Jesus is. Lord, help me love you with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And help me love my neighbor as myself. Tonight, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, all over this place, we may have some guests in here. We may have some people who have never been to church. Some people who were invited by a friend. Maybe some people watching online who've never heard the gospel. The gospel is simple. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We're on our way to hell because we've made mistakes and we fall short of God's glory. But Jesus came down from heaven and is, is the greatest gift ever given. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus said, I'm the way and I'm the truth and I'm the life. Whoever believes in me will be saved. Though he were dead, he shall live, he says. So tonight, if you'll put your faith in Jesus and the fact that you're a sinner and you'll admit that, you can be saved and you can go to heaven and you can have eternal life, which is the greatest gift anybody can have. How many tonight would say, Pastor, I want that gift tonight. I've never accepted that gift. A gift is something you have to accept. If you pay for it, it's not a gift. How many tonight would accept the gift of salvation by lifting your hand and say, I want to receive that tonight. Here I am. Here's my hand. Just put it up. Put it right back down all over this place. Praise God. Maybe you know the Lord and you're not walking the way you want to. You want to get right with God tonight. Maybe you've been having the wrong attitude. Maybe you've been doubting. You've been fearing. Tonight you can get right with God. Just put your hand up. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I see your hand. I see your hand. God bless you. Amen. Let's stand all over this place. And as we do, I want to say a prayer before we open up the altars. For anyone and everyone that's watching online or listening on the podcast. Father, we're here tonight for those that don't know Jesus. Lord, we're not selfish with what we have. We want to give it away. We're not here to be a social club and just say we met. We're here tonight to get equipped to go out and preach the gospel, to tell the world that Jesus is alive, that there's salvation only in your precious name, Jesus. And God, today as we're closing this service and we're about to pray, let every one of us here be reminded that in that same 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says one day we will all stand before God. All of us. And we will give an account for our lives. Father, I thank you with no way to be able to express my thankfulness. That my name tonight is in the book of life. And that I am saved because of the gift of salvation. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Everyone that's watching online, everyone that's here tonight with me, let's say this prayer for one or two or 10 or 20 people tonight that might hear this message and know that there's hope at Christmas for them, that they would be conscious of their eternal life 
and that they would give their life to Jesus tonight, just say this with me. Lord Jesus, I admit I am a sinner and I fall short of your glory. I need a Savior. I can never get it right on my own. But you made it right on the cross. You died on that cross to take my place so that I could be forgiven and I could have eternal life. I believe that with all my heart and I confess with my mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus, forgive me tonight. Wash me clean from all my doubts and all my sins and all my uncertainties and make me a new creation. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.